Well, thank you. It's an honor to be here. Take your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 15, and while you're turning, I'll make a few remarks. First of all, uh, thank you for allowing us to come and be a part of your service, and we stayed uh, at the pastor's house last night, and we just enjoyed getting to fellowship with them. Uh, the music this morning was great. You're a responsive crowd, and uh, I like you. I wish you could travel with us everywhere we go. And what a beautiful church. Your PA system is awesome. This is the best PA system we're in, uh, I guarantee, all summer. And I appreciate that. Thank you guys back there for your help. You can make or break a service, amen? All they got to do is turn me off, right? And, uh, but you may want that in a minute, so don't be too happy. But uh, what, a, what a blessing it is to, to be here. And uh, piano, what a great sound. Everything's just perfect here. I just enjoy it so much. God has given you a wonderful pastor and a wonderful pastor's wife. Well, she's okay. But uh, no, she, no she, is a, she is a sweet, sweet, kind lady. And uh, one of the finest you'll find, I'll guarantee you. And God has blessed you. I hope you understand that. And I'm, I'm sure you do. Uh, Hiles Anderson College, we just, we just celebrated our 50th year in operation. And it's just an amazing, amazing that God has allowed us to help uh, fill... Fill Baptist churches with pastors and song leaders and uh, Sunday school teachers and bus drivers and just Christian workers that have spent their life serving the Lord. And uh, that's what we've done for 50 years. And God, God is our, our help and guide. We'll do it for another 50. I won't be around that long, but uh, those that follow me, I'm sure will. God has blessed us. In the back, as you leave the auditorium, the young people have a table set up with the CDs from the college some of the finest music you'll find in, in uh, Christian work right now, I guarantee it comes from Howes Anderson College. That's not a bragging statement. That is, God has just given us some wonderful young people that have a heart for the Lord. I love your theme, a the heart for God. It's my theme in my ministry. It's what I preached as a youth pastor. And I believe that's what we need to get everybody to deal with. These young people do have a heart for the Lord. They're, they're soul winners. They, they love presenting the gospel to the unsaved. But they, uh, they also sound good. So their music is out there, and uh, it'll be a blessing to you. Two brand new CDs. If you bought the CDs last year, two brand new this year that you haven't haven't received yet. There are music books out there that are just uh, compilations of arrangements that our young people at Hiles Anderson have put together for the piano, for string. Derek here sung on my left here. He and his brother and some others have uh, they play stringed instruments and they. I put together some arrangements that you might enjoy if you play any kind of strings. So check those out in the back. The CDs are $15 each, or if you buy more than one, they're $10 thereafter. So check that out. If you're a junior or senior in high school, we'd love to talk to you about Hiles Anderson College and see if you're a fit for us and we're a fit for you. You come to Hiles Anderson College, we'll give you a fit. How's that? And uh, But... Uh, We'll, uh, we'll have a blessed time if you do, and I, I trust that God will bless you. Turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 15. The story up, through, up to verse 13 is basically God had told, told uh, Saul to go and fight against the Amalekites, and, uh, and he told them to do something that he's done a, a couple times in Scripture. And I'm not sure exactly the reason why, other than they were a thorn in God's flesh. And uh, sometimes God asked 
uh, the Israelites to destroy a whole city and kill everything and everybody. And it seems awful, awful unkind and grotesque, but many of these cities um, in, the, in the Promised Land, as we'll call it, they, uh, they lived such wicked, vile lives. And uh, their, their sensuality, everything, their disease was rampant. They didn't have the antibiotics that we have today and the intermarrying and all those things that we know better about today. They didn't know then. And so God, would, in order to keep the disease and keep the, uh, the, just the prevalent uh, things of, of the, the gene pool, if I may, from really uh, getting wild and wicked, uh, He had the whole city destroyed and many times burned with fire. He did that with Jericho. And uh, so God had commanded Saul to kill everything, every animal, every, every person. No one was to come out alive. But he didn't do that. He won the battle, and he killed a lot of folks, and he killed a lot of animals, but the best of the animals and the king himself he brought back to the people. Look in verse uh, 13. And Samuel came, this is the priest now, Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord. I have performed the command of the Lord. In other words, he's, Saul is saying, I did what you said. And then in verse 14, and Samuel said, What meaneth then the bleeding of the sheep in mine ears, and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the, beast, the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said to Saul, Stay, and I will tell thee what the Lord hath said to me, this night. And he said unto him, Say on. And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners of the Amalekites and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore, then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but to fly upon the spoil and didst evil in the sight of the Lord. And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord has sent me. And I have brought Agag, the king of the, Amalekite, king of the Amalekites, and, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Father, we ask your blessing upon the message, and Holy Spirit, work in our hearts and lives. Give us a good day today, and may Jesus Christ be glorified in all that we say and in all that we do today. In your name we pray. Amen. A man once said to me, in fact, just uh, last fall, he's a construction man and he does uh, paving, and he was paving a parking lot for us at our church. 
And I'd met him a couple years ago and he'd done some work for us. A Christian man, goes to a different church in the area, but he loves the Lord and he's just, a, just one of those guys that says what he means and means what he says and says what he thinks all the time too. And, uh, and I like him. He likes me. And, and uh, we were talking about, uh, about God one day as he was giving us a bit on our property and, and, and uh, about business. And he says, you know, he says, I need God in, in all of my business. You know, and I, I want to make sure God's involved in my business. And I said, well, we all do. He says, you know, he said, um, I sometimes argue with God. But I don't, but I always find out God's way was always right. And I said, boy, that's the truth, isn't it? And, you know, how many of you, and ah, I, I don't want you to raise your hand, but, uh, but I, I want you to ask yourself, have you, have you ever had a conflict with God? Have you ever thought, have you ever said, God, why did you do that? That didn't make sense. God, you know what? I prayed for something and it didn't happen. And, and I'll tell you what, I'm pretty upset about it. We all been there? You all smiling. You must, must be really at odds with God right now. I don't know. But I have. You know, and, uh, but, but I go back to Frank's statement. God's never wrong. You know, so you're, you're kind of fighting a windmill there. You're just not going to win, right? But we, we still think, we still think sometimes that we're right. We still think that God needs to know our opinion. God needs to know how I feel and how I think about whatever He's done wrong. Because I, because if He does and He hears me, then next time He'll do it right, which is my way, right? And um, and God doesn't always do it my. In fact, God never does it my way. Have you ever said this this statement? God let me down. He didn't come through. He didn't answer my prayer, brother Eddie. I. I, uh, I, I, pray, I believe in 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. But you know what? I still lost my job. God didn't come through for me. God, I put my, I put my whole heart and mind in You, and my wife still passed away. God, I was praying for my son, and, and uh, he still hasn't come back to God. You ever been there? God, something, other things, God, uh, people have said to me, God hurt me, and I believe it was on purpose. God hurt me on purpose. I was in that car accident, and you know, God, God can do anything, right, Brother Eddie? Yep, He can. Then why didn't God have that car swerve and miss me? Well, He, he can do that, but it, apparently He didn't this time. So he, he got me in that accident on purpose. We say that, don't we? We think that. Why did my wife leave me? You know, I was serving the Lord, I was going to church, and she just upped and left me. Why did my, my kid, I taught my kids, had them in Sunday school, and I, I, I gave them a good education, a Christian education, and they still went away from the Lord. Child disappointed me, Brother Eddie. God wouldn't want to see me. This is, this is one I hear a lot. You know what? God wouldn't want to see me. I'm too embarrassed to look him in the eye. I'm not going back to church because everybody will think bad of me. You know, just because you've gone into sin doesn't, doesn't mean you're not welcome back in church, by the way. I've been in church all my life. And uh, I've heard the statement, that statement, so many times I'm sick of it. 
And I've never, I have never, in 41 years serving at First Baptist, and been there since I was four, so for 45 years, no, and uh, for 60, 60 or 57, 8, 58 years now, I have heard people come back and say, I'm not coming back to that church because everybody will look at me and they'll, they'll gripe about me and criticize me because of what I did. I've never seen that happen. I've never seen it happen. Now, it may, and I may have never heard it, but that's not, the, that's not the usual case. But we use that sometimes, right? I don't want to look God in the eye because God, you know, I did wrong and I'm too embarrassed to look at God. Kind of like a, like a you know, you, ever, you have a pet that got in the garbage while you were out and you come back in the house and say, hey, Fluffy, and he, he does, does that to you. And then you know immediately, uh-oh, the garbage is all over the kitchen, Right? And, uh, you know, we, we think uh, God looks at us like that, and we don't want to look back at God. Or, uh, how about this? God was never real to me anyhow. You know, I, I would pray, Brother Eddie, and, you know, when I get done praying, I felt like sometimes I could just wipe the prayers off the ceiling. God will answer your prayers, but He won't answer mine. He'll answer pastor's prayers, but, but He won't answer mine. You ever feel like that? You know what? And then we get to the point sometimes where, well, I know He's God, but I'm in control of my own life. I'm kind of a God too. We get thinking that way at points and times, don't we? This is where Saul got to. He was a king. And he, he veered away from the things of God. And he got big in his own eyes. And even Samuel the prophet came and said, you know, remember when thou wast little in thine own eyes? Remember when you were honored to be chosen king over Israel? Remember those days? Now you're big shot. Now you're somebody. And all of a sudden you get the idea that you can do whatever you feel is right. And all of a sudden you think you know better than what God said. Then he says the immortal statement that we have all quoted, better to obey than what? Sacrifice. To obey God. We all, you and me included, we've all had conflicts with God. We've all had points and times in our life where we, we all but shook our fist in God's face sometimes. And you know, when we stop and think about it, we've got to realize how, how futile that is. It's not going to change God's mind. Let me give you some thoughts here. Because I'm going to tell you something. If you're like that today, and I have watched folks who have been like that, who have gotten angry at God, and never resolved those issues, their lives have never been the same. And, you know, as it's, they often say, your arms and my arms are too, too short to box with God. And we're not going to win. We can't. And we've got to resolve those issues and because one day we'll wish we had. One day we'll be so far away from God that we, we won't feel like we ever deserve to even go back. And we'll get to the point to where I'm just going to just spin out the rest of my life like I am. And I see that happening so much. You've seen it in some of your children. You've seen it in, in, in friends that, that have, have, have been hurt. And I'm going to tell you something. If you're going to go to any church for any length of time, somebody in that church is going to hurt you. Something's going to be said from the pulpit that's going to hurt you. 
Somebody is going to do something that's going to take your spirit away. And Pastor Wilkerson, when he came to our church, we were in a, we were in, in a tough way. And we were hurting really, really bad. And one of the statements he made, preacher, that I'll, I've never forgotten, he said, you know what, I've always believed you heal where you were hurt. And I'll tell you what, I was sitting over here on the platform and I heard that statement and I, man, I just wanted to bawl because that, that's it. That's what God wants us to do. Church is a healing place. If you were hurt here, heal here. And I've watched folks that have left our church, and, and not just in the last few years, but over the 41 years I've served there, I've watched them leave when they were hurt. They never, never, never were healed. Never. They always carry that bitterness. And I could go back and look on Facebook and watch them now. They're still, they're still vicious. They're still unkind. They're still harboring things that happened 35 years ago. And I'm thinking, really? I think God got over it by now. Why can't you? Let me give you a couple of quick thoughts. If you are in a place to where, or get to a place to where you have a conflict with God, let me ask you to do one of, several, one of seven things and maybe most of seven things. One, we must look at God, at what God has already done, not at what we think He didn't do. Look what God has already done for us and not at what we think He didn't do. God, You didn't. You could have caused that car to just to, to swerve a different way, but You didn't. Well, you know what? Stop and ask God and think how many times God did make that happen. God did cause that that uh, that car to swerve. God did allow you pinch you and make you wake up while you're driving and put you back on the road again. Do you think of all the times God protected you that you won't know until you get to heaven and you see maybe a video of your life somehow and realize, wow. Was God good to me? You know what? You look at all the sweet memories God has given you in that church instead of the one bad memory you don't have. One of the bad things that God didn't do for you. Number two, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. In James 4.10 When we stand tall in the saddle, we get thinking God owes us. And if we're going to come to God and we're going to ask God to forgive us and we're going to ask God to heal us, guess what? I have to become small. God has to become tall. Right? And I can't become small until God becomes tall. When I think I'm tall, and I never have in my life, by the way. I suffer from shortness. And, uh, but when I become big in my own eyes, that means God is small in my eyes. And if I'm going to let God resolve my issues and resolve those things, I have to humble myself and realize that God was probably right. How many of you love, you love being told you're wrong? Okay. How many of you husbands have been told you're wrong? Okay. How many of you have ever been wrong? Keep your hands down. There you go. And, uh, all right. But you hate being told it. Even you know, you know, <laughs> we use the GPS because it's God's gift to men. The GPS, because that way our wives don't have to tell us. And uh, a lady whom we don't even know tells us when we're wrong. Right? Turn around, you idiot. That's what your wife would say. But but the lady on the on the GPS is much kinder. 
Number three, realize there is sin in this world and we war against it. And there will be casualties. Drunk drivers are, are drinking because there's sin in, the, in this world. And they hurt innocent people. There are people who are unkind that will cause others to go astray because they're wicked, they're evil. And it doesn't matter at what rank in the God's army you are. Bullets, bullets have no, no preference. Whether they're pastors or whether they're laymen, doesn't matter. Sin can hurt anybody. And you will, you will be a casualty of, of sin's vices. You will have a, someone that you love that will be a casualty and it will hurt you greatly. You've got to realize that you live in a world of sin. Number four, trust God anyhow. Trust God anyhow. There will, there will be very little understanding in your eyes of what God does and why He does it. You will not be able to understand why God didn't answer, why God did do this, why you did lose your job. Everything was running right as rain in your world and all of a sudden, you know, something happened. And you won't understand that, but trust God anyhow. When you're confused about things. Young people, listen to me carefully. At your time and this time in your life, there's a lot of confusion going on. There are so many things happening from politically to spiritually that you cannot comprehend. I can't comprehend it. And you're getting ready to charge out into this world and you're wondering, man alive, what should I do with my life? Trust God anyhow. Trust God anyhow. Especially when you're confused. When you don't understand. When you can't really see as, as, as uh, we see things. When God doesn't make sense, you just trust Him. Just trust Him. You know, i gotta under, I gotta got to sometimes look back at the story of the crucifixion. Jesus hanging in the middle. In the middle of the cross there. And the thief on one side who is dying the same death as the thief on the other side. Suffering the same pain that Jesus was. Crucifixion was a vicious, vile, uh, torturous death. And this thief pulls on the nails on his cross to get to get breath and it says, Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And the other thief had to work just as hard to save to, to say words and pulled up on those nails and said, If thou be the Son of God, get us down from here. Save thyself and us also. This man died and went to hell. He died and went to hell. And for 2,000 years, this man has been living in heaven. And for 2,000 years, this guy over here has been saying, Oh, was I stupid. Man, was I foolish. Unbelievable. I saw the very blood that was being shed for me. I saw it. It may have even splattered on him. But I never used it to cover my sins. This man over here said, Wow, did I ever get in by the skin of my teeth? Did I ever make a very good choice in a short amount of time? Amen? Amen? For 2,000 years, he's been walking around heaven just like this. Oh, I'm so glad I'm here. Praise the Lord. That blood covered my sin. 
Trust God anyhow. Trust God anyhow. Number five, stop talking and start listening. The Bible says, be still and know that I am the Lord. That's when you don't, you don't want to come to church, but you come and you sit down there and you open your Bible and you listen anyhow. That's when you take your Bible out and you read it when you, you're angry at God. And you wonder why, and all of a sudden you just start reading. President of Hiles Anderson College, Dr. Wendell Evans, he's in bad health today and not long for this world, but his first wife passed away, a wonderful lady, Miss Marlene Evans. And after her death, I saw him a few months later. And I said, Doc, how you doing? He said, I'm living in the Psalms. I said, what's that? He said, I'm living in the Psalms, Brother Eddie. He said, I've been, been memorizing whole Psalms. I've been memorizing verses. I've been writing music to Psalms. And uh, I've just been living in the Psalms. And you know, I'm staying topside. Didn't understand why God took his wife. She was an influential lady at her school. But you know what? He just trusted God anyhow. He stopped talking. Stopped complaining to God. And stopped giving God His opinion. And just listened. Just listened. Number six, remind yourself consistently on how big God is. You ever, you ever feel like you're somebody? Go to Genesis 1.1. And read Genesis 1.1. In the beginning... God did what? The heavens and the earth. You know anybody bigger than that? There are a lot of gods in this world. There are a lot of great people in this world. There are a lot of people in this world who have done great things. But nobody's ever done that. And the God that you serve and the God that controls your world created it. The God that controlled your body, the God that controlled your life and made everything about you happen created the heavens and the earth. Just remember on how big your God is. And last, just remember this. If you don't and won't take time to praise God, you'll end up not trusting Him. I won't take time to read it, but just Romans chapter 1. The Bible says they did not retain, like to retain God in their knowledge, and God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do that which is unseemly. The word reprobate there means illogical. Unseemly means what it, what it, exactly what it says. It means it doesn't make sense. It all started because it, the preceding verses says they were unthankful. They were unthankful. You know that's why you have music in church? To bring praise to God. And you know what? When you're sitting out there and you're having a bad day with God, you've got a conflict with God, and you know what? And the songs are being sung. And uh, your song leader is amazing. What a great voice. And uh, awesome voice. And man, just coming to hear him sing would, would turn, turn me to Christ. That's for sure. But sometimes I've come to church. When I was down, I remember driving through the night to get back home. My dad passed away. And, uh, and uh, I was out of town. And I drove through the night because I wanted to be in church on Sunday morning. And I came and I sat in the back and I didn't want to sing. So I just mumbled out the words to the songs. All the way through every, every hymn, the songs that were sung in, in, from the platform, I just listened to them. Sunday night, I sang, opened my mouth a little bit wider. 
And by the time I walked out of church on Sunday night, I was walking on air. You know, I'm just telling you, when we stop thanking God and praising His name for who He is and what He is, the Bible says, we will, you will, I will become reprobated. That is the road. That's the start. You turn the key to the engine and you put it in gear when you're not thankful to God. You know, I've watched my pastor, Brother Wilkerson. He lost his son, his oldest boy, at the age of 19, 17, 17, in a car accident. And I've been to a couple funerals with him where teenage boys had died. And I remember one. I was standing next to him. I said, Preacher, are you okay? He says, yeah, I'm all right. I said, these things still hurt? He says, yeah, a little bit. He said, Brother Eddie, he said, but God gave us 17 years with our son. And he was a good kid. And he loved his mother. Oh, and he was so great to his brothers and sisters. And he just started talking about the good things that God let him partake of with his son. I know folks, and I don't know anybody here, so I'm not talking about anybody here, that have made memorials and they still, to this day, are bitter at the loss of a child, the loss of a friend or a husband or spouse. You know, if we don't let difficult seasons draw us closer to God, we will never understand how good God can be. We will never understand how good God can be. We've got to understand that God is good all the time. Especially when we don't understand it. Understanding comes after obedience. Most Christians never hang in there long enough to really see what God had to show them. So the conflicts fester in our lives. And they become the roots of bitterness that spring up. And the Bible says defile what? Many. Many. You know, if I got bitter against the Lord for whatever. You know, I can imagine, and I think there's some things that have happened in my life to where, as the world would count it, I would have a right to get better. But not in God's eyes. Now as I watch my grandchildren come to church, I baptized my two, two of my granddaughters a few weeks ago. I'm thinking, well, if I had gotten bitter, I'd have destroyed my wife's spirit. My grandkids may not ever have gotten to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. I don't want to be that kind of Christian. I don't want to fight with God. I don't want to be angry with God. I don't want God to to do things to me that I don't learn from. I'll quit with this. Dear friend of ours, it's uh, Emily's pastor, when he was, he drove for UPS for almost 35 years. But uh, had a child, was two years of age, fall into a swimming pool and drowned. His mother pulled him out. My sister happened to be next door, and they did CPR and got him breathing again. They called me. I rushed over there, watched as they put the child into a helicopter and airlifted him to. Chicago Hospital. That boy lived like that for 12 years in a vegetative state. Never one time, never one time did I hear that couple criticize God. 
I remember sitting at my supper table, my phone ringing, and it was Tim, her pastor, called me. And he was just weeping, crying, uncontrolled. I said, Tim, you know, are you in an accident? What happened? And he says, no. He says, I'm pulled over alongside the road and down I-65 near Indianapolis. I said, you okay? He said, no, I'm not okay. And I said, well, what's up? He says, Eddie, he says, I don't know what God wants to teach me through this. But I want to learn it. Because I don't want to ever go through it again. And, you know, he's right. He did learn it. He's pastoring a church now. A church that was struggling. They'd lost their pastor. He put them on their feet. They're vibrant. They're exciting. Great church. He could have defiled many. He could have defiled many with his bitterness. But I stayed three days in a row, 24 hours a day with him in the hospital for three days. Not one time that I ever heard, heard him criticize God. You have a conflict with God? Pastor didn't tell me about anybody in this room. I never allow that for one. But he never did. But if the Holy Spirit's speaking to you this morning, you might want to resolve that today. Because you're, you will win only if you resolve it. That's the only way you can win. Let God show you, make things right to you, and as He will one day. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. How many say, Brother Lapina, you don't know me, but you preached something that hit me someplace today. You preached something to me that just, just, uh, just pricked my heart. Would you raise your hand all over the house? All right, all right. In just a moment, I'm going to ask the pastor to lead us in an invitation. We'll stand to our feet, musical play. You know, if your hand was raised, if I were you, I would try my best to make my way to the altar here and talk to God about it and make sure that I start on that road to reconciliation with God, resolving it. Would you do that? Would you stand to your feet right now? Your head's bowed and your eyes closed. Our pianist will play. And uh, why don't you come down, use this altar as you see fit.